Hello and welcome to the Death Rangio Podcast. My name is Sean and joining me as always is the one and only Dante Boffman, Mr. Boffman, man. How are you? I'm good, Sean. How are you? I'm splendid. I'm splendid. Uh, well, what do you want to do for small talk? It's time to start the episode. <laughs> is this the first time that we've never done small talk? Yeah, usually there's always some tea or some weather or some event or some protest. or. Well, I did actually get a comment from my dear friend and housemate, Jay Judd, uh, about the tea chat last week, saying that she loved it. Oh, oh nice. So, so is she a French Earl Grey? <laughs> um, I don't know if she has a preference. I think she's a bit cosmopolitan with her tea, you know, like live and let live. I've actually got, um, I, I got some, so like I, I only really got into tea, like there you go, this perfect small tea. <laughs> I only got into tea in like the last 12 months, um, but that was long enough for two members of my friends and family to uh, cop out and get me tea for Christmas, which is, you know, it's worse than undies, I reckon, because if I want tea, LB at T2, I I don't want, like, I don't want tea for Christmas. Yeah. Um, So, like, I I got into tea, like, two months before Christmas, and then just cop out two people, which, does that make me a bad person? No, I don't don't think so, but it's interesting that you mentioned undies, because my grandma... God bless her. She messaged me saying like, what can I get you for Christmas? Like, what do you want? And I was mm-hmm. like, would she just get me undies? Because I, like, I, I, I get like undies, socks, like every Christmas. Like I'll get, yeah. someone will buy me like, I, I get socks every Christmas. Someone will buy me like a fun pair of socks. Like I love dinosaurs, like a dinosaurs on them all. Or like I got like these fun Star Wars socks, you know, stuff like that. And that gets me through like every single year. Get a couple of pairs of undies, no problems, replenish the stock. And then a couple months ago, I bought my own undies. Do you know how fucking expensive Bond's undies are? I actually can't tell you because I always get them given to me. Cost me an arm and a leg. So my grandma messaged and she was like, what can I get you? And I was like, underwear, please. Like that is like, <laughs> get me some undies stat. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, mum mom said, Sean, you got, a, you got a gift coming in the mail. I'm like, oh, awesome. Like, you know, lockdown, lockdown gifts. This is so cool. Like, blah, blah. And she's like, oh, really don't get your hopes up. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, it's a gift. It was undies. And like, my hopes were up and my hopes were just hit because, yeah, they're expensive. Because I did actually buy undies a little while ago. Because um, my girlfriend said you should probably have bought your own undies, like you're fucking 23, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm cozy. This is one thing I don't need to check off in the adulthood. But um, yeah, I bought Star Wars and Marvel undies. Yeah, you gotta yeah. do something fun with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to have these like white, like you know, briefs, like these really tight briefs. Um, very, very figure hugging <laughs> from my dad. But on the back, they had a Velociraptor in a top hat with a monocle. And I was like, that's hectic. Yeah, nice. That's fun. Nice. I'm walking away from you. You're looking at my bum, <laughs> looking at the Velociraptor. Yeah. Classic Dante. <clears throat> Classic d <D-Uns. laughs> Um, But yeah, d what, what are we talking about uh, in this episode? Well, funny that you asked, Sean. <laughs> no, so we're doing our over-under predictions for the upcoming season, which is only like 11 days away from, um, from tip-off, which is pretty... That's a pretty wild, wild thing to consider. So we're doing our over-under predictions for the Eastern Conference, also known as the Ryton Conference. So we're going to go by division, um, and we're going to start way up top in the Atlantic division. So let's just kick it off with potential title (laughs) favorite, the Brooklyn Nets. Their over-under is set at 55.5 wins, which would have them squarely in the playoffs. Are you going over or under? I think this one for our 2021-22 over-under predictions brought to you by MeUndies, I think this is a clear <laughs> over. Um, 55 and a half is a lot of wins, but I think this team could just sleepwalk to 50. And like this is assuming Kyrie gets vaccinated or 
even if he doesn't, because if you take away one of their three-headed like monster of just absolute elite scorers, they've got like Kevin Durant, James Harden, and then Paddy Mills just steps up to play whatever guard position for whenever one of those guards gets injured. So I think this is neat. Javon Carter as well. Javon Carter. Like, even, no, <laughs> I was being, I was no, being no, no, facetious. No, man. Like, even, <laughs> even that, like if, if it's James Harden with Javon Carter next to him, like yeah, don't worry that about makes it. Javon Carter look a lot better yeah, than yeah, yeah. next to Chris Paul, let's yeah. say, for example. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm also going over. I'm smashing the over. This is probably my hardest over smash. This team could get 65 wins mm. and it wouldn't be an upset for mm. them to be that good. And I just kind of feel like surely their like injury bad luck has like played out. Mm. They've had so many injuries. Like, you know, they obviously signed KD when he was like, you know, they knew he was going to be out for the year. But between Kyrie and Harden and KD last year, how many games did they miss? How often did they have them all together? Like, you know, very rarely. Obviously, we saw mm. what happened in the playoffs where it ended up being just KD. Um, I think that there's... Just on like the balance of probability, it's unlikely that they have as, as injury-ravaged a season as they previously did. And they were one game behind the, the top seed in the, in the East. They mm-hmm. won like 50 games in a yeah. shortened season. Kevin so, Durant's good at basketball, though. Kevin Durant's <laughs> pretty good at basketball. So they won 50 games out of 72. So mm-hmm. 55 or 56 out of 82 with you know like a healthy season from everyone. So I'm going hard over on this one. Uh, and just one more thing on that. Um, they've also just got like a lot of veteran depth and like, we're going to talk about the Lakers next week, but like just having dudes like Mello for the Lakers, but then just having guys like LaMarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin, Paul Millsap, like they're not going to blow the world away, but like all of a sudden you might have like 20 and four from Blake Griffin. You're like, Oh, you know, the Blake Griffin game against OKC. And it's like fucking the Blake Griffin game. Who who is he? Kelly or Nick? (laughs) The next team on our 2021-22 over-under predictions brought to you by MeUndies is the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, Their number set at 51.5 wins. And just like uh, when we were doing the off-season grades, you gave them an ungraded and I gave them a C just because it's like, how the fuck do you grade this team? How how do you pick if they're going to win games uh, when Ben Simmons even if he's employed by the team, isn't going to rock up and then like we can go through all the money that he's going to lose. But even like, how do you know what the hell is going to happen? Um, what have, what have you done here? I've hit the under and I think I'm, I'm, I'm not hitting the under hard as in like, I believe they're going to go way under, but I'm hitting it hard as in, I believe they will go under because if, if the situation plays out as it looks like it's going to now, which is where literally 11 days out from the season starting and Simmons is saying that he's going to sit out if he's not traded. That means you're playing, you know, if not all, then at least a substantial chunk of the season without your second best player. Mm. Someone who made the All-NBA team was second in Defensive Player of the Year voting. Uh, I think that they have enough depth and they have enough, you know, with Embiid and and Tob Harris, they can kind of like cobble together, uh, you know, like a good offense and they've obviously got some really great defenses. But the really great defensive players, but you just can't take your your second best player completely out of the lineup, not replace him in any way whatsoever, and thrive. Let alone kind of like maintain. So I think there's a couple of teams below them that will look to be a bit more, you know, to build on the success of last year, um, or you know, in the case of someone like like a Miami, like maybe even you know additions of Kyle Lowry, like you know, step forward. Mm. 
And I think these guys seem like the the reasonable team to, to drop out of that like kind mm. of top four. Yeah, um, the first one you let go to bring up an Indiana or something. Yeah, exactly. I think I think they're they're comfortably just with the amount of doubt around the team, like they would comfortably be the first one to drop out of that like top, you know, the upper echelon. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and and like I think. Like fifty one and a half. If you've just got this team with Joel Embiid and like all the shooters they have, I think they probably push for fifty wins. I think like that's a fifty win plus team, but just the whole negativity of the whole vibe. And then I think if they do trade Ben Simmons for, like we said last week, a CJ McCollum level of player, I think that's more than a fifty a fifty win team as well. It's just like I'm not going to pick it because what if they get CJ halfway through the season? Uh, and we saw like how much chemistry matters with like the Boston Celtics this past season and like Brooklyn Nets the season. Oh no, do they do they have big chemistry issues? Just you've seen all these issues where it's like chemistry really matters. Um, and like Embiid has had impeccable health for the past couple of seasons. And like I'm going to pick the under, and one percent of that under is what if Embiid just is injured again? Because I think even ten percent of the under is what yeah. if Embiid. Because you know like you, you stack and you stack those ten percent of like what ifs. And all of a sudden you're at forty percent, and so like, that's a pretty big, <laughs> that's a pretty big like you know mm. chance that they're going to complete not maybe maybe not completely implode, but and you well, know. a what if being fuck zero percent they make fifty wins. Yeah, 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 yep. yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, so we're going to move on to the next team, which is the Boston Celtics, and I think this is one of the most interesting lines uh, in the whole Eastern Conference. So the Celtics are at forty six point five, which would have them. In the playoffs, what say you? I've gone over. Um, I think this is a bounce back year for a team that was just decimated by chemistry, injuries, Kemble Walker being worse than Terry Rozier. Um, and like, yeah, you can say what you want about Dennis Schroeder. You can say what you want about like a 50-year-old L, L. Horford and his wife. Um, but like, I'm assuming L. Horford and Grant Williams are just going to be better than... Who the fuck was that center last year? Like Enos the penis canter. It's, yeah, well, he's still he's still there. He's half just, of yeah, yeah. Um, and and half of um, the Time Lord. Yeah. And then like you know, there's point guard issues because Tristan as soon, Thompson as well. Tristan Thompson. Yeah. And as soon as as soon as you just don't have a point guard, and it's Marcus Smart, and like you never want him to be a point guard. And also just the fact that like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are still growing. They're still becoming the players that they will be. And my final thing that's pushed me over here is that Marcus Smart and Time Lord bundles together beautifully for a max salary. So there is at least 1% here of my over that is maybe they trade for Bradley Beal or something. Bradley Beal would be nice on this team. That you know. What, what have you done? I've gone over as well. Um, you, you sound hesitant. I think th- this is one of the ones where I'm like, I'm like on the fence about it because it sounds really good what you just said, like don't have a point guard last year, like now you do, like didn't have centers last year, now you do, but... The point guard solution is it's Dennis Schroeder, who, looking at him next to his number, 5.9 million, you're like, yeah, he's 100% worth 5.9 million. But how many starting point guards are there in the league that are good, that are playing on 5.9 million? Not very many, because good starting point guards get paid 20 million Mm. plus. Mm. So we saw his struggles with the Lakers last year. It's possible that his success in OKC, you know, as part of that, three-headed lineup with three-headed guard lineup with Chris Paul and SGA was system or support or whatever and then it was an aberration if that's the case um the point guard issue is not solved 
because hmm. he's not you know appreciably better than like an old injured Kemba Walker. Hmm. And then what's the solution at at the five? It's Al Horford. He's come back for his you know second tour of duty. And yes, he was. <laughs> you know you've gone over, man. You don't have to talk yourself. Hold on, I'm bringing it back around. I'm bringing it back around. Yes, he was good enough in OKC last year that they shut him down and said like, Al, we don't need you to help us win any more games. But I think those two spots are, you know, like reasons for I think time, hesitancy. I think Time Lord could be like yeah. a clinker peloton. Well, I mean, Time Lord's just got paid as well. So that's an indication of like, you're going to be our, our, you know, our five of the future. I think what's pushed me over is, is just like you said, like, you know, the Jays are going to get better. They've added Josh Richardson, who, you know, believe in at your own peril at this point. But I think for me, it's like, you know, Jalen Brown wasn't completely healthy last year. He missed a large chunk of the second half of the season when they tanked. So get those two dudes on the wing, lock it in metronomic, you know, exactly what you're going to get and just cobble together, um, cobble together some some um, play from the role players and hope that Imo Udoka is a good coach because I think that will be something that can either push them push them up or kind of like stop them from actually achieving their their potential i i am not going to talk myself into josh richardson for the no third you can't you can't yeah, but you can't. like you know i mean josh richardson running on 2016 fumes at this point like yeah he's still got the gas in the tank from 2016 yeah and like i'm not saying he's dead in the water but like they also extended him i don't know why they extended him that was a little bit of a questionable move but yeah, it's. Um, I, I think I'm. I, I really like Robert Williams, and I think this could be a huge season for Robert Williams. And if he doesn't like take this opportunity now, like this is his this this is his break. Like this is his thing to become. Like I said, a clinker Palo or just become a starting center in the league. Like you just have to beat old man Al Horford, who is probably more than happy coming off the bench. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just really big on this team. This could be a top four seed. Like, especially when a four seed last year was the fucking Knicks, who we're going to talk about next. Like, I think this is definitely a four seed. Well, and if and if what happens is true and Philly kind of like soft implodes and falls out of the top four, that's a spot up for grabs. And you'd be looking at like Atlanta, Miami, New York, Boston in there to try to like jump up. Like there's going to be a lot of competition for, mm. for those spots. So I think you have to be like good. Like you won't be able to fall ass backwards into it. Mm. You, have to, mm. you have to like earn that fourth spot. Um but yeah, I, I think ultimately, like I'm a bit kind of on the fence. Like I, I wrestled with this one a little bit, but I am I'm confident in the over because there's not many teams in the East that have players that are as obviously now we're podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> Name a better sound, I dare you. <laughs> there's not many many teams that can can stack two players that are better than those two dudes. Mm. Just surround, you know, Jalen and Jalen and Jason with some some good role players and like watch them work because I, I think they've done that. Like Marcus Smart and Robert Williams next to your two scorers that yeah. can also defend. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's beautiful. The roster construction Ch- makes Chef Kiss. <laughs> I'm Italian. <too. laughs> yeah, the roster construction makes sense. All right. Well, if we're in agreement, should we move on to? So we haven't actually disagreed yet. Um, yeah, which is which is nice. I I also just want to say just because like. Um, I fucking love the spotlight. I've gone with 15 overs and 15 unders. This is the first time I've actually paid attention to that yeah. because um, that might have been what stopped me from being perfect the last two years, albeit winning, but still. <laughs> might have been what stopped you from being perfect. That's pretty lofty aspirations for someone who's mired in the mid-teens. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like, I, I want to have like, 
usually when I go into this, it's like, okay, I'm going in thinking that I'm going to win, but I'm not going to get 100%. I think I can get 100% this year. I'm pretty sure I got like 11 last time, so I'd be happy to get 15. <laughs> if I could get 15, I'd be like, this is in, this is incremental improvement. 15, you're an expert. Yeah. Because well, if you're above 500, um, I'll, I'll see you soon, Dante. And, <laughs> and it's on that triumphant fucking boast that I have gone with the New York Knicks at 42 and a half wins, and I've gone push. How do, oh. you, how do you push half a win? You, don't, you can't push. <laughs> so but let's just call it 43 push. Oh, I was going to call it 42 right, Call it 42 push. How about you? Let's give me both. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there's going to be a big asterisk if you win. <laughs> so 42, 43 push. Um, I just think this team overperformed last year. Deep two ASMR podcast. <laughs> How do we do that whilst on Zoom? That's crazy. Um, it's the deep two ASMR podcast. Sorry, the New York Knicks overperformed last year, <laughs> and um, I think like they they held opponents to an unrealistic amount of an unrealistically good three point shooting, um, and and I just don't think that that like you know just regressing back to the mean is going to hurt the Knicks a lot. Uh, and also, look, they've got two more years of Tibbs. This is when it starts to, the cracks start to show, like we all know what happens to Tibbs teams. Um, I, I, I've talked shit about Randall before, but he still is, you know, an all-star level player um, who played 37.6 minutes a game last year or something along those lines. So again, the cracks will, shoot, will soon start to show. Um, and I just don't see like a leap in RJ Barrett even though he has had a big leap and he has he has shown like that sort of progression to to be a 20 plus point scorer um and like look we just talked shit about Kemba for ages and he was literally <laughs> like the OKC were like oh okay instead of trying to trade him and flipping for assets let's just like get him out right now because it's not going to work like yeah if, if there was any glimmer of getting like a second round pick or like young player halfway through the season they would have just held on to him but they, yeah. they bought him out and like Fournier, like awesome, awesome shooter. But when has he ever been on a team that wins more than 42, 43 games? Like, it's just locked themselves into the eight seed. But no, I think 40, 42, 43 is a beautiful number. What have, what have you gone there, Dante? I've gone under, and I think they'll be closer. I think they'll be like around that high 30s, like low 40s. But I just think... They'll be a good team. <clears throat> I, think they'll be an, I think they'll be a fine team. The thing with the three-point... The thing with the three-point shooting defense is that what that like functionally amounts to is that teams shot like 32% from three against them. Whereas there's other teams who are allowing like 38 and over the course of a season, that's like hundreds of points yeah, that yeah. they're not conceding on threes because, mm-hmm. you know, teams are just missing them. And I don't think that we or the NBA cognoscenti <laughs> as a whole really understand why that is. Some people say that it's luck. Some people are like, well, they know who to leave open. They know who not to leave open. If you've got a whole bunch of like active long defenders on the perimeter, it's going to drive that down. I don't know what the actual reality is. You'd bet on that coming back to the mean. And that was like one of the, the main reasons why they were so good defensively. So I think it's reasonable to expect that maybe that wouldn't crater. Like it's not completely luck and they're going to, you know, concede 40% next season, but that it would be like, you know, around league average, which, which brings your ceiling down. Mm. And I think listening to some people, uh, you know, some, some journos and some people, you know, writing, um, over the off season, they've kind of expressed that the, the, the moves that they made 
were to bring in playmaking rather than just shooting because they're seeing like, you know, they decided to prioritize keeping Alec Burks over, over keeping Reggie Bullock because in the playoffs they were like, Reggie Bullock has nothing to his game other than catch and shoot. So you could just stash Trey and have no problem. Trey just needs to contest a three. Whereas if you get playmaking, there's a lot of, um, you know, a lot, like a lot of, you basically have to like, there's nowhere to hide because Alec Burks is going to dribble the ball and try and slash through. That sounds suspiciously like the rhetoric that was used with the fucking Rajon Rondo, Jimmy Butler, Dwayne Wade heat, where it's like, no one can shoot, but goddamn, we've got playmakers. Yeah, yeah. Because if you're starting, if you're starting like D Rose, he's improved as a shooter, but he's not by any means yeah, like a reliable not, shooter. And you're going under and on screens. Yeah. Fournier is, is, is genuinely a good shooter, but then you've got like RJ Barrett, Randall, and then either Robinson or Noel. That's not a lot of shooting, and. Yeah, Fournier is okay, and you know Tibbs isn't going to play Randall at the five as like a playmaker. Yeah, there's the going to be Randall is Randall is going to be next to Robinson or Noel the whole time. <laughs> um, you know, but the '80s were fun, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, there'll be some. That was the last be, time Tibbs got laid. There'll be some. Yeah, fucking <laughs> preach that. He, he and his wife have different beds. Um, <laughs> nothing against people who actually do that, but you know, it's, it's just a laugh. Just a laugh. I just think... Hang on, sorry, I just Googled it. Thibodeau's never been married. Well, I mean, you know, New York City, the city that never sleeps. <laughs> he, was, he was engaged while in graduate school at Salem State, but eventually called it off. Yeah. That seems like, oh, you're breaking up with me? Well, I'm going to break up with you first. <laughs> so I, I, I reckon there's probably a puff piece somewhere in there that's like he broke it off because, because of the love of the game. So I'm just Googling if Tibbs ever had sex. <laughs> no, there's no answers. But yeah, it's... I think that the questions they've asked and the, an- the theoretical answers that they've found are like good answers. But you're asking me to put faith in like Kemba staying healthy, Fournier being actually like, uh, you know, like somebody who can do something. Someone who can do something outside of the context of, of like... 16 points. Yeah, yeah, you know. Magic. And, yeah. and like, do we believe that Rowan Barrett has another step in him, another step forward in him? I, I don't know... You know, like, but but the thing is, if if Rowan does get better, let's say let's say he has that in him and he can be a twenty five point scorer, I don't think it's going to happen on this team because every time he drives to the paint, Julius Randle is like at best sitting in the mid range, and there's going to be uh, Mitchell Robinson there or Noel's Noel's man sitting there, and like just I, I feel bad for the kid because a lot of people have called him a bust and like he is legit a really good scorer, but he also just like has one of the worst situations. I don't to think be. he's a really good scorer. I think he is. He, he's, As in, like, really good isn't, like, Kevin Durant. I think he's really good, like, if I saw him at, at the gym, it's like, oh, he could make a hundred. You saw him at... If you saw him at... Um, Brody. You saw, <laughs> saw, him at, you saw him at MSAC open run. He, he could make a hundred shots in a row. Whereas I don't think... I, I don't think Kelly Olenek could make a hundred shots in a row. Try making a free throw before we're making a hundred shots in a row. Fucking hell. Yeah. It's... It, I, I think he's... I mean, I'm a little bit higher on him than you, but that was sort of like drilled into me writing for the Knicks wall. I actually, I didn't know how high people were on Barrett until I started writing for a Knicks blog. Yeah. Because I just thought it was just consensus that, uh, damn, you missed out on John Moran. He's, he's, he, as he is now, he's a good player. He's not a second overall pick type player. And I think for this team to like take another step forward and be like an actual serious, like not contender, but like, you know, serious chance to make the second round. Like he needs to be like low twenties on like decent efficiency, mm. which last year he was, you know, he was like 17, 17, 18 on like, you know, 42%. And so mm. I've, I've seen enough of 
wings who shoot 42% from the field and 33% from three. He shot 40% last year from three. Well, on, yeah. on three attempts. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just need probably a little bit more from him, like going forward, like big picture. But I just think there's, you know, in terms of this team, like hitting the over, hitting the over under, which is, which is, you know, like, like 40, what we're talking about. <laughs> Forty three. I think that there's enough variables in here that I'm down on rather than up on that. I'm like, if two out of these three additions don't pan out, then this team isn't going to be appreciably better. And as we've talked about, um, there are some teams which we'll get to later, which are kind of like snapping at the heels to step up to where the Knicks were last season. Yep. So, all right, let's move on to the next team, which is the Toronto Raptors. Their number is set at thirty six and a half wins. Uh, and I've just gone I've gone under because I see so much downward momentum and I see no upwards momentum. So obviously, if a good deal comes across the table for Pascal Siakam, they're going to take it. If a good deal comes up for Fred Van Vliet, they're going to take it. Like All this stuff's going to happen and then literally one thing needs to happen for the side to be like, oh, you know what, tank it, Scotty Barnes, 40 minutes a game. Um, go on Drugic you just bought out let's just like precious chew can you be Rudy Gobert let's find out um, like there's just a lot of incentive to tank and like think about how much stuff would have to go right for this team to be really good and like push for the play in playoffs it's it's a lot um, so I think this number I can see where this number's set just simply because they have really good players on the team right now but if you get rid of one of them it's a little bit like ah oh, there aren't many good players right now but uh, the future's very bright in Toronto I'm going over because I think all of that's true, but I think that there's a bit of like, <laughs> yeah, we agree. I think that there's a bit of like 2013, 14 Suns potential here where it's like you're going in saying like we're ready to pull the plug like at a minute's notice and there's enough talent and it all kind of like, you know, convalesces in a way that, that just works. And like 39 wins is not like we're shooting for the fucking stars here. <laughs> I think this team will be, I think they'll be, you know, like pushing for the play-in. Um, and I think I'm basing that on saying that I think Siakam will probably be there for the majority of the season. Mm. Even if it's just up until the trade deadline, I think that's enough to get them across the board. Like Scotty Barnes looks good. Although on. I said James Harden should be there till the trade deadline last year for the Rockets. And that should be enough to pull him up to 30 something. You did. Am I right or wrong in saying that Siakam is not as hotly desired <laughs> as James Harden? But like, I'm just saying if, if Siakam's gone, then everyone's gone. They're, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, Siakam's gone. The organization just like trends trends downwards and decides to you know like shift shift out of trying to win. But I think there's enough talent. Like I'm 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 big on OG taking another step forward. Like I think Siakam hopefully can have like maybe a little bit of a bounce back season. Scotty Barnes looks good. Like Gary Trent, we know what he is. Um, we've got Fred Van Vliet ready to step full time into the point guard role. Like I think that there's enough talent there to say that maybe they could be 10th in mm-hmm. the East, which is not like we're, you know, not like, again, we're shooting for the moon here. We're, we're asking for mid-30s wins from them. Like, you know, there's some fucking pretty shit teams in the East. So, um, if, you know, if Siakam gets traded 15 games in, like, like you know, it's the done. organization yeah. is not going to then say, like, let's try and be good. And, you know, it's, it's, it's done. They're going to try and tank to get their own pick as good as they can possibly get, you know, mm-hmm. accrue the assets, yada, yada. Um, but I think if Siakam was to play even half the season there um, and have somewhat of like a bounce back yeah, I think that the young players in that player stepping into like new roles ready to succeed like you know like Van Vliet I um, I can see I can see you know like high 30s so I'm going I, over. I, I can't wait 12 months from now for you to listen back on those words you just said 
Yeah, and I'll probably have a sick sick excuse as well. <laughs> Just like I did. <laughs> so the next team is the Milwaukee Bucks, and their number is set at 45 and a half. Ooh, 54. 54 and a half. Just, um, and I've gone over. Um, what have you done, Dante? I've also gone over because I think this, like... If you extend their, their games out last season to 82 games, they win 52. And, like... They've just gotten better. Only 52. <laughs> They've just gotten better. Yeah. Um, so this this would be three wins more than last year. They've been together another year. Yes, like Drew and Brooke Lopez are getting older, but Chris Middleton's still on the right side of 30. Giannis is obviously Giannis. Like, the only thing giving me a little bit of pause here is that Giannis said at media day that he's like, his leg's still injured. And it's like, well, you just closed out a game really, like a few games really well against Phoenix Suns. Still injured. I'm not too worried about it. I think this team's just going to keep gelling. Um, and just, yeah, continuity. And they probably want the home court advantage against the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, well, I think that that is going to, as we get down to the end of the season, be a big storyline, like who who are going to be like the top two and in what order. But this is just like the ultimate regular season machine over the last three years. We, we, we know, you know, like obviously they, they got over the hump uh, in somewhat unfortunate circumstances for myself but the the narrative has been that this team is like everything in the regular season and they're nothing in the playoffs and a substantial part of that is just their regular season dominance down to that you know finely tuned performance art basically they all know how to do it you know that Buddy's gonna like play you know play everyone um they're a deep team you've got um you know, you've got DiVincenzo coming back. They're just stacked with like okay role players. Like Grayson and, Allen, George Hill. Like, yeah, like there's there's just guys who are going to step in and perform at the level that you need. And when your four or five best players is like, you know, Giannis, Drew, Middleton, Bobby Portis. <laughs> I kid, I kid. You know, like you're... Yeah. And, and like the decision to let PJ Tucker walk to bring in like these more people, which I criticized, you like, but the fact that they've got more people now, which is like... And like Semi Ozlay, Pat Connaughton, they took a fire in Rodney Hood. Like there's there's heaps of room. Like if it's like, oh, um, Drew Holiday's not playing today. Don't worry. We've got these people that are going to look awesome next to Giannis. I like all of these dudes. He's better on the Bucks and I like them, you know, on, on the Blazers or on the Grizzlies. Like, all right. Yeah. I, I'm going to edit that and be like, Dante loves Grayson Allen. <laughs> Grayson Allen is Dante's <laughs> is Grace, favorite player. Is Grayson Allen the new guy that you're going to pin me to? Yeah, him and Bobby Portis. Yeah. Oh, they're the same team. Bobby Portis like a, passing oh, of the torch. A GL and GL and BP well, you're pick gonna, and roll. <laughs> you're going to hate to hear what I have to say about the Bulls when we get to them. Oh, fuck. Based on you unfairly pinning me with players. <laughs> um, but no, I think like the Bucks are... The Bucks are, for me, in the regular season, what LeBron is like overall. It's like you're the king until you're displaced. Until- I think you're forgetting the Utah Jazz. They had a like plus eleven point differential in the regular season last year. Utah Jazz are made. <laughs> you know the team I picked for the title two years ago. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm familiar with them. They are made for the regular season, and the Bucks just try and emulate what the Jazz do. Mm, that's a very bold perspective, <coughs> but I I applaud you on it. I'm going I'm going over. I think this hand's going to be high fifties, and I don't think it's going to be you know particularly you know we're not going to be sweating this. No. Not one bit. Might even be a best uh, a best pick. So, the next team is the Indiana Pacers, whose number is set at forty two and a half. They won thirty nine games across eighty two games last year, right? So to beat last year, 
They need to win three games. And TJ Rowan might play basketball. Um, they added depth options with Chris Duarte. Say what you will about drafting a 50-year-old, but like he, <laughs> he looks good in the preseason. Um, Isaiah Jackson looks fine. He's probably not going to play. And they got Torrey Craig. They re-upped... <laughs> Torrey, mate. He used to play for Brisbane. T-Sizzle. <laughs> T-Sizzle. Um, and, like, if they don't suffer any injuries, like, I've written here, like, fucking cancer. <laughs> that's, Can't that's, really account for that one. <laughs> like, that's that'll be a big... That'll be a big plus. And, like, this team is just fucking... You talk about the Jazz and the Bucks being built to win the regular season. Like, the Indiana Pacers are built to be the 4-5 and five seed. The 4-5 and five seed gets more than 42 wins. Um, and there's been a little kind of few murmurs about Ben Simmons. It's like, if they get Ben Simmons, they're, of course, going to go over this number because Ben Simmons is very good at basketball. So, like, I think to win three more games than last year, and I haven't even mentioned the fact that their coach was, like, an absolute twat. <laughs> so, and then they replaced him with not just a regular old Joe. They replaced him with Rick Carlisle, who's one of the best coaches. Who's also week. arguably an absolute twat. Is he? Well, you know. Why? A bit bristly. Is he? Yeah. I had no... Notoriously bristly. Like, you know, the reports coming out that, like, the the Luca and Rick um, relationship is, like, on the downside. Like, it's a matter of time. Some players have tuned him out. Remember his beef with Rondo all those years ago? Yeah, when, like, and Rondo was in the wrong, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, Rondo was, Rondo was in the wrong, but would a less bristly coach have managed to, like, incorporate it? I reckon if you're the nicest guy in the world and you're on track to have the greatest offense in NBA history in Dirk's swan song yeah. and some fucking bloke comes in halfway through the year and just tanks it I, yeah. would, I reckon anyone and their dog would be bristly yeah fair enough fair enough <laughs> but if there are other cases yeah I actually didn't know that he was a yeah he, de- he definitely has a rep as like a bit of a, a mm, bit of a bristly a so am I am I taking from your um, I'm going oh yeah I'm from going, your I'm soliloquy that you're going over <laughs> yeah I'm going well over. I'm going over and I'm going hard over yeah I am I'm bought in. Mm. I'm, I'm all about this team. You get me, Karis Levert, hitting a game-winning shot in like three weeks' time in the blue and yellow pinstripes mm. in Indiana. Mm. Poor. I couldn't even tell you what I'll do with that. Um, I think a healthy team like Levert, you were talking about chemistry before. You, you kind of underestimate like how important chemistry is. Like Him having had the second half of last season and the off-season training camp to like acquaint his teammates um, will be really important. Warren actually coming back and playing basketball. Which is still like six weeks away, but... Well, I mean, like, at least uh, he's going to be... He will, he will at least out. he's going to be on the court. Like, if you're trotting out a lineup that's like Brogdon and Levert and then with like wing X, you know, like, is it is it Torrey Craig? Is it, um, is it Duarte? Um, and then one Warren the at the small ball four yeah. and one of the bigs. Like I mean, and mm-hmm. and if you trade if you trade Miles Turner, it's not the sort of trade where you're trading him for picks. You're yeah, trading yeah, him yeah, for yeah. players. So I have enough faith that whoever they trade him for will be able to like you know maybe it's more wing depth, maybe it's like an, another playmaking guard. Um, Did you say? Mason Plumley and PJ Washington. <laughs> That's Mason Plumley. It's a matter of when, not if he records a triple double. <laughs> he did. He sure. did. No, he did. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. what I'm saying. It was more, it was oh. always a matter of when, not if. Um, don't forget, we get the annual like Brogdon 
bounce the first 10 games of the season. Oh, 100%. First, like, a couple of weeks of the season when we do our what's good and what's not, um, like, early season review. We should probably record that now. Just, <laughs> it'll just cut down 10 minutes for me. <laughs> well, I'm definitely going to be like, whoa, like, I know this happens every year, but Malcolm Brogdon looks really fucking good. Dude, you should draft him in fantasy and then flip him after 10 games. Yeah, well, I just hope that hope that no one in, no one in our fantasy league listens to this podcast, <laughs> so I'm giving myself away. <laughs> But I think um, I think that I'm yeah I'm I'm really big on this. I'm big on the vert. Like I'm I'm big on Sabonis and Brogdon. Yeah, I'm doing like a little like flexi motion. <laughs> um, and I think Warren coming back is 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 a big deal yeah, because yeah. he's he a, played well for eight games. In the, <laughs> I know, you know it is a big deal. Like. He played excellently for eight games. It, yeah. I, I think it's a big deal. And and yeah, you can't undersell like the difference between having Carlisle and Nate Bjork. And like Carlisle is you know probably going to be a Hall of Fame coach when it's all said and done. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and listening to the sort of like media, for some reason, I've been listening to all like Indiana Pacers media stuff because I'm like, you know, I'm really excited for this team just to like win games and just be back to like, you know, the world is at an equilibrium when... Uh, when the Indiana Pacers are the four and five seed, like as four and five seed, but no one's like, yeah, they're gonna make noise. Yeah, yeah, no one's, no, yeah. Even when like Victor Oladipo has an All NBA season, there's no noise. Like, no, he, noise. he might be singing, but there's no noise. Yeah. It's a soundproof room. Yeah, keep, um, keep it down, Vic. And please. so apparently, Rick Carlisle is wanting to run the offense through um, Karis Levert. Oh, that literally just that. <laughs> oh, I'm tingling. And then um, there was also a report that. So when they played the Wizards in like, so what, the 72 games last year, it was like game 60 last year. Um, Karis LeVert was back and he was in there and like he had just come back obviously from his cancer and stuff. And then um, against the Wizards, Russell Westbrook was just running, 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 pick, like getting getting fouled all the time, was going to the rim and was just like running in transition. And then they went to halftime, Russ had like 20 points or something and like you know, already a triple-double or something crazy. Um and then they went into the locker room and then Nate Bjorkman was like, all right, let's not change anything. He'll just miss those shots. And they were like wide open layups on the break. And then Karis LeVert said, as soon as I heard that, I checked out for the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you can definitely know, you definitely know that... that um, TJ checked out before the start of the season. Well, I was going to say that Ricky Rich isn't going to be taking uh, taking any of those chances. He's going to actually like, come in and coach the team. Yeah, imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, do you want to talk about the Bulls? This yeah, you're gonna not like this, but the the Bulls over under is set at forty two point five, which would have them in the play in. I'm going over, and it's not just because you've painted me into a corner with Demar Derozan. Um, I think that there's, I think that there's a bit to like here, which is you know for. For listeners who've heard me kind of express extreme Lonzo Ball skepticism for the last eighteen months, um, <laughs> <laughs> might come as, as as something of a shock. But I think this is just like a, a accumulation of parts. There's just like enough top level guys or like you know second level guys with like good role players, like kind of what we're talking about with the Bucks, where it's like there's there's some really good guys and there's just heaps of dudes who are good at some things and like will fit in like your role players it's like Alex Caruso Kobe White Derek Jones you know like the good dudes Troy Brown's on this team like you know even outside of like the, the guys Elise Johnson yeah Elise Johnson everyone's favourite um, blue you know. drink <laughs> there's um, there's top level talent with Levine and Vucevic and Moderosen um <laughs> You know, guys like Caruso and Lonzo will provide like some some good perimeter D, and like you know, in the case of Lonzo, like hopefully hit some shots. 
Um, I just think that there's enough here. I think Billy Donovan is a competent coach. And I think that the last time he had like a bit of a island of misfit parts roster mm. was in OKC that, that year that I mentioned that. before yeah. with, you know, the three guard lineups and the surprising playoff run. Uh, so I think that there's, I'm just confident that they'll be able to. And again, like what I was talking about before with the Raptors, like we're asking them, we're asking them for 43 wins. You've got three dudes who've made all-star appearances and you've got a whole bunch of other dudes who are either like solid mid-career vets or like, you know, Patrick Williams, like young with potential mm. could take a big jump forward. 43 wins. Mm. Yes, the East is going to be good, but it's not heaps to ask. Mm. So I'm not by any means thinking that this team's going to like, high 40s like you know in the playoffs but i think that like solidly in the play in like you know a little bit above 500 is probably where they're at yep so i falls to hit the over i'm shocked i thought you but were like, gonna be pessimistic I, I, no like i gave him a d plus or whatever it was for the for the offseason grades because i don't think this is what you should do with a basketball team not that they're not going to win games i think yeah. they shouldn't have paid DeRozan 75 million dollars and given up 30s young and a fucking first round pick um, I think they they did too much to get where they are, but they still brought in players. Like they're still brought in DeRozan, they're still brought in Lonzo, and like yeah, twenty million. They're still brought in Caruso, which is a fine contract. But like everything they did, I don't like the future. But in terms of just like winning forty three games, I think they did a great job at winning forty three games. Um, and adjusted last season, they would have won thirty seven games in an eighty two game season. And that was with 58 games from Zach Levine. Because if you remember at the end, right after they brought in Vooch, like Zach Levine played a handful of games and then missed 11 straight or something um, while out with the health and safety And they threes. struggled. And, and they struggled and that, that really pushed them out of the play-in. Um, chestnut checkers. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's just like uh, I hit the over and then yesterday I was watching the Cavs versus Bulls in the preseason where the Bulls won. They were up by 40 points and like, yes, it's the Cavs, but like, they just had heaps of fun and it looked really good and I was like holy shit Patrick Williams isn't even playing <laughs> that's so, 9.8 points per game Patrick Williams for you so he's um he's out for 6 to 8 weeks which is a little bit concerning for someone who has quite a few Patrick Williams trading cards but that's <laughs> alright um, look it's yeah, yeah if I've written here that if they had kept the exact same together, exact same team together, and not brought in Lonzo and Demar Derozan, I'd probably still hit the over because Zach Levine's really good, and they were going to hit the over if Zach Levine had just played basketball down the end of the season. So, like, it's I, I think this is a really easily set number, um, and uh, yeah, hit the over as well. I'm I'm shocked for its worth. I thought you were going to be like a hard under. They're not they're not bad. They just gave yeah. up too much. No, no, I they understand. Get, they so gave up too much to win forty three games. You're offering a very nuanced take, which is what listeners of the day two have come to expect <laughs> from you. So. But you get what I mean, right? No, like, I know what you mean. Hundred percent. Oh, don't like that tone, Dante. <laughs> Let's move on to the Cleveland Cavaliers, who have been struggling since losing LeBron James in free agency a few years ago. Um, after losing to the Golden State Warriors in the finals many years in a row. So their number for this upcoming season is set at 26.5, which is very little, and I have gone under. What have you done, Dante? I've gone under plus your stinky. <laughs> <laughs> um, this game is, this game is, but it's pretty sad now. <laughs> um, they're not good. They haven't mm, been good. Well There's no clear path for them to get good because they're three um, main additions from... Um, last season not including Jarrett Allen who played a few games for them uh, it's Larry Markinen on a big fat juicy contract Rick Rubio friend of the pod and Evan Mobley who like will you know we'll figure it out we'll see I'm not gonna like get on a it, I'm not gonna get what, on a platform and start talking about what I know Evan Mobley is gonna be like watching the preseason I feel bad for him 
Yeah. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Right Rick now. Rubio's presence tells me that Sexton's getting traded at some point. No. Colin Sexton is going to get traded to the Spurs. <laughs> and he's going to turn into like a... This is not the right podcast. He's going to get turned into like a 34-point per game scorer and Pop's going to be like I finally found my guy to like replace Kawhi that's what's going <laughs> um, Rick Rick Rubio is is the exact kind of player who can mentor the two young guards but he's also the exact kind of player who can step in and like you know um, what re- win 32 re- years well replace one of them not you know like well but mm-hmm. you know he can do it um, you've been watching too much FIBA I don't, <laughs> I don't think he's got that anymore well I think he's a backup point guard in theory do you remember Andre Miller Who's that? The small dude. Mm. Like, the king of the lob. Yeah, somehow like seventh in the whole entire world in assists yeah. of all time. Um, late in his career, just coming off the bench for just any team that would just pay him $2 million. Yeah. This is Ricky Rubio now. Could be, but I think that's maybe harsh. But he, I well, think that's Ru- Rubio is much more attractive. And, and maybe that is closer to the reality, but like it does... Kobe Altman, the GM, know that that's close to I don't reality. Think he knows much. Maybe he's thinking, you know, the way that I just described, like he's ready to step in. Sexton's name has been floated in trade discussions. He's, he's extension eligible this season. They're either going to have to pay him or they're going to have to trade him. Mm. And you know, I I don't know that they're going to want to pay him. So the the other, you know, then you, you scan the roster and it's like Isaac Okoro is another one of these dudes who it's like, mm, like you know, you've got my number. Call me when you can hit forty percent of your shots. Period. Mm. Mark Nern, like you know, maybe he has a resurgence, but probably not. Kevin Love, like, what are we really doing? <laughs> I think this team is going to be bad and in contention for the number one overall pick. Well, at least they're in contention for something. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've also gone under. And so adjusted for last season, they won 25 games, which is only a game and a half under this number. And that had a strong start. They were like 7-3 and three at one point last year. And it's like, oh, Andre Drummond is finally a rotation big man. It's like, nah. Um, and like Colin Sexton had that really hot start. He scored 42 points against Curry Irving in that Brooklyn duel uh, where he kicked the ball and it was a no call and then got the final possession. Um <laughs> But like I, I might have actually gone over if they hadn't swapped Larry Nance for Larry Markkinen. Okay, so you think it's like you think it's close? I think it. I think yeah, it's like twenty five, twenty four. Larry Nance is definitely a better player than Markkinen. But I think when it comes down to it, you've got all these shit teams: OKC, Detroit, the Cavs, and then Detroit and OKC are like bad, bad, bad. Let's get another Cade Cunningham and another Josh Giddy. Like they really want to be bad. Um, the Cavs just have no excuse. Like they've they've tried doing that, and they've even said that they want to make the playoffs for the last two years. And it's like now they have to keep playing. And like even if they tank it, you're not resting Evan Mobley. And you're like, are you going to rest like Jared Allen? Like that's just sad, man. Like just paid him a hundred million dollars to rest him. Like yeah. you can't do that. And um, uh, like I've got three ways that they go over. So because I think it's close, either Sexton becomes elite, Garland becomes elite, or Jared Allen becomes elite. And it's probably two of those three things have to happen. Yeah. I think... I think... Um, we mean Sexton becomes elite. Sorry, man. Sorry, man. Um, let's move on to the Detroit Pistons, whose number is set a game under the curves. They're at 25 and a half wins. I've gone under for most of the reasons I've just mentioned because they've got a lot of downward potential and they're going to want to lose games right at the end of the year. Cade Cunningham is fucking resting preseason games. Like, I can't <laughs> wait to see what he does in game 60 next year. And, <laughs> and also, like, the biggest stealth tank of all time, Killian Hayes, will be handling the ball. It's, 
like that is the that is the cunningest is that a word Cade cunningest um, <laughs> that is the cunningest tank job that you can ever do just put Cade Cunning, sorry Killian Hayes on the on the ball and say oh don't de- tell that to Kevin develop, O'Connor developmental minutes yeah <laughs> yeah um, yeah I'm, I've gone under as well uh, I think it's reasonable that we'll see Cade at least like you know take some lumps early in the season as he adjusts you know to being a, a big wing ball handler which is arguably like the most you know the rarest yeah. the rarest um you know thing to be good at in the nba is like be that size and 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 have that responsibility offensively so i think it's it's yeah likely that we'll see him take some lumps killing hayes like don't tell KOC but hasn't been good that means a healthy dose of jamie grant playmaking scoring which you know we know he can be okay at even good at but not good at in a way that's going to elevate anyone and you know let alone the team um, I, I really like Sadiq Bay and Sabin Lee, but that's not doing it for me with the No, and then we're and the, you know then we're looking at like you know some 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 nice young role players. But what are we really talking about here? I think this is going to be another team that's going to be at the bottom of the conference. Mm-hmm. We were over the moon when we first heard that the NBA was going to be televised on Australian free to air TV in the 2019-20 season. It didn't exactly go swimmingly with the Nazi cough halting the season and games getting cancelled left, right and centre, but it was a huge step and an exciting one for basketball fans all across the country. Better yet, it wasn't a commercial channel cashing in on some basketball nerds like us. It was SBS, one of our public broadcasters. Unfortunately, the NBA wasn't the only thing SBS was pushing last season. They also ran advertisements from Sportsbet, Ladbroke, Bet365, BetEasy and Neds, some of the biggest sports betting companies in Australia. In a one step forwards, two steps backwards move, SBS has dropped the ball here. As a public broadcaster, SBS plays a key role in providing relevant, culturally appropriate health information to local communities. The last thing SBS should be doing is offering a platform for gambling companies during the most financially unstable time in recent memory. This past year, men aged 18 to 24 made up 79% of new gambling account holders with increased median spending and frequency of bets. This is the last thing we should be spending our money on given the financial uncertainty that comes with the pandemic. During COVID lockdowns, wagering companies spent more money on advertising and incentives to gamble, and it worked. SBS needs to hear from viewers that gambling ad revenue isn't worth the harm it causes. Call on the SBS chair, George Savitas, to put community health ahead of gambling revenue by signing the petition at www.endgamblingads.org.au forward slash get gambling off SBS with hyphens in between. All right, so we're going to hit the Miami Heat in the Southeast Division, but before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. Oh, that's what you meant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. All right. Well, just, Did you get it? Yeah, yeah, I got it. Just pick up whenever you're ready. <laughs> All right, and we're back with the Miami. <laughs> I'll just keep it in. Don't even worry. We're back with the Miami Heat in the Southeast Division, kicking us off down south. The Floridians—they are forty-eight point five wins, which would have them in the playoffs. Sean, <laughs> I'm going under. That was that was your best podcast voice. Now, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was perfect, man. See, my best podcast voice is. And welcome back. My name is Sean Carroll and joining me as always is the one only Dante Boff, Mr. Boff, my man. Now here we're talking about the Miami Heat. If you like my podcast voice, you should hear my um you should hear my closing closing call at Bunnings Brunswick 
voice where we have to like tell tell people to get out of the store like politely like it's seven o'clock get fast <laughs> good evening bunnings brunswick customers the time is now seven o'clock and we will be closing shortly could you please assist us by finalizing your purchases at the front of the store on behalf of the team i'd like to thank you for shopping with us tonight and remind you that we open bright and early at 7 a.m tomorrow as if that's not pre-recorded well when i used to work at the pub and i used to do closes at 4 a.m i would just like obviously yeah, what the fuck's going on at 2am at just a, a pokies pub and I'll just be sitting there going <clears throat> this is your captain speaking <laughs> we are now cruising at an altitude of 50 metres above sea level and then, <laughs> and then I just giggled my way off the old microphone but the Miami Heat 48 and a half I've gone the over they arguably had the best off season of the whole entire league Maybe. depends on your perspective on PJ Tucker but <laughs> even if you think PJ Tucker's fucking Dog breath, <laughs> dog breath cafe. It's still a pretty good off season. Um, it's just like it's just so Miami just to go over their over unders like fucking. Oh, I mean, obviously not for Dante who's clicked the under on the sheet, but um, like Gabe Vincent and like Mac, Max Struess, they're just gonna become the next Trevor Reza and like these rotation level players. You know, like that's just gonna happen all of a sudden. Oh, this is the next Josh Richardson. They're just gonna have these dudes and like. What if Bam Adebayo just becomes like a top three center in the league, all NBA level? Fucking 50 wins, Dante. That's all it is. 50 wins. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I just have like a, I just have like a gut feel that this is going to be the team that like false starts. Um, that stalls with with those other teams kind of like, you know. Like, like Jimmy Butler's going to come in overweight. He doesn't work hard enough. <laughs> He's got a little lucrative coffee business going on the side. His attention's on there. No, I, I, I don't, don't think it's a, it's a culture or a work ethic or whatever. I just think like Jimmy Butler missed heaps of time last year. Um, Kyle Lowry's thirty six. Tyler Hero, like maybe we see the third year Jason Tatum jump from him, where it's like great rookie year, average second year, like whoa, third year it all comes together. Mm. Maybe Victor Oladipo like gets it back. Oh, I'm not factoring Victor well, Oladipo at all. You know, you kind of go down and listen. It's like, yeah, you can probably you can probably like pencil in Bam for like All Star or like you know pseudo All Star like production. Mm. Jimmy, you can pen that motherfucker in, mm. no problems. Mm. Don't worry about it. Um, but those are the only two things that are kind of like certain, and less so than I think maybe some other teams with really quality role players. I think there are questions about like the rest of the guys, like. Lowry, obviously, he was great last year. Will that continue? Oladipo, you're saying you're not even counting him, but hero days questions. You know, you're going down the list. Duncan Robinson, obviously, we know what he is, but obviously, somewhat a limited player. I don't think that Tucker is a particularly good addition. So, um, I think they're going to be around around this number, but just in terms of like mapping it out in my head of like what the playoff order looks like, I think that there's going to be a couple teams that jump above them. Uh, you also didn't mention Duncan Robinson, who's, stu- who's I still. I did mention him. Did mention him. Um, yeah, that's fair. I, I just think Miami always goes over. Miami always wins games. Didn't Miami go under last year? Yeah, but just you, last you, year. You know, you know what I mean? One <laughs> season ago, arguably like a few months ago, they went under. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I mean, factually, a few months ago they went under, but like, it's Miami. Oh yeah, that, no, that's that's, that's a, my uh, argument, man. That's, that's fair. That's, that's it. a fair argument. Well, you're. Um, I'm going to connect the, the Miami Heat and the Atlanta Hawks because the Atlanta Hawks are 47.5 and I'm going over on the Atlanta Hawks because I think that the Hawks are one of the teams that are going to jump the Heat and, um, you know, kind of cement themselves 
um, in that in that mm, top four, four, five, kind of like region ahead of the hate. Yeah, I I've got this as my best bet for the whole entire podcast, both right and, and left and conference. Whoa, that's a lot of that's a lot of teams in the right and the left conference. <laughs> this is the the Atlanta Hawks over is the best number okay. I've seen. Um, so they. They had 47 wins this past season when extrapolating it out to 82 games. And that was with Lloyd Pierce at the start of the year, with Rondo at the start of the year, and Bogdan Bogdanovich missing like 15-odd games at the start um, of the year. And DeAndre Hunter missing half the season. Yeah. So like you get a full season without any of those asterisks and handicaps on you. Obviously, you've got a better coach. You don't have Rondo. You've got a better upgrade on Rondo as, an, as a bench creator in sweet Lou and then look if if Bogdan misses the same time fine that's just what you do when you have him but like let's say he's healthy and you've got all this young development for Kevin Herter Trey Young and John Collins and like Clint Capella still on the right side of 30 let me just triple check that well Clint Capella like elite defensive center as well like Clint Capella is like a top three to four defensive center in the league um yeah, in terms four, of guys, he's twenty seven. Yeah. In terms of guys who are playing, like you know, like a, a, like big minutes. Yeah, yeah. you know, like um, someone who's actually starting and playing thirty minutes a game. He's pretty much like, you know, near as good as it gets. Bar- barring a, a ACL tear to Trey Young, this is a top four team, and that's yeah. a lock. This 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 is just like this is the ultimate example of what I've been talking about this whole episode, where you just get like a couple of good players and surround them with some really really good role players, and you have a pretty high floor. And if Cam Reddish is anything, well, that's he's, just not, a- he's not. He's nothing. He's <laughs> nothing. He's but nothing. He hit five. Threes. Cam Reddish is my Oladipo. I'm not even factoring him in here. Okay, but Cam uh, Reddish is being traded for a, like a heavily protected first, like you know. Half that's of that's something I didn't even write down. They can bundle together a max salary with John Collins, Cam Reddish. It's like, oh, I don't Bradley think Beal. I don't think they should bundle together. You know, like John Collins is re-signed. We know what John Collins is mm. when he's like able to, you know, his his wings aren't clipped. Like he's he's good, he's good. Bogdanovich, we know what he is. Like he's like the perfect but, but, secondary creator. Yeah. And the the ace in the deck, you know, all these dudes who we know what they are. Like we know Herder is a really good role player. We know Lou Williams is going to come in and give you good minutes off the bench. We know what Capella is. The ace in the deck is DeAndre Hunter because he was really fucking good mm-hmm. last season. He was really good. He just couldn't stay healthy. Mm-hmm. So if if that's not the case this year and he's on the court, you've got like a, a big matchup proof wing who not only can you know shoulder the load defensively taking the biggest wing threat on the other team but you know he's he's hitting spot up threes he's flashing some stuff off the dribble so continue that Trae Young's really good as much as it you know pains me to say they, they're almost like failure proof because they've just got so many ways that it can go like if you're saying like mm. well John Collins underperforms and like Gallo's old and Kevin Herter stalls out it's like sick well you've still got like you know a couple of other role players yeah, you've got yeah, a Bogdanovich you've got a Capella like Lou Will if he has anything left you know, Hunter. Even if like, oh, dude, Lou Will's done. It's like, well, they've got Delon right. Yeah. Like stuff like that. Yeah. It's just... Yeah, yeah. They're kind of like, I think they're, they're as close to failure proof with that top tier, um, you know, player in, in Young. So I, I'm pretty confident going over with them. Would you say this is your best pick? No, I'm, my best pick is Indiana. Oh, maybe really? not for the, maybe not for both conferences, right. but but definitely for the Ryan conference. In, I feel strongest <laughs> about Indiana going over at forty two and a half. All right, well, let us know next week um, if that's your best pick for yeah. the whole entire thing. But. 
Going on to my second best pick with this next team in the Southeast Conference, we've got the Charlotte Hornets at 38 and a half wins. And my second best pick is Charlotte Hornets under. Yeah. I, I, I don't like how this team adjusted to 82 games, won 38 wins, 38 games. Um, <laughs> And you want them to win half a game more when they had some unsustainable clutch shooting and their major additions were Kelly Oubre Jr. and Mason Plumley. How do you want this team to get better when they overperformed? So going off cleaning the glasses, expected win-loss based off their average win differential, they were a 34-win team. So this isn't a question of half a win now. This is a question of four and a half wins. Uh, and even if Lamelo continues to be amazing, he's the only real young star there. Like I'm not looking at PJ Washington like, oh, man him in two years and looking at PJ Washington like awesome you've got a role player for the next 10 years the only dude here with the, the high ceiling that's really going to grow is Lamelo, and I think he's close enough to his ceiling already well I don't know that you can say that with any confidence considering I can't, that I can't, but considering that he was rookie of the year and was you know playing at a level above what anyone even the biggest Lamelo optimist expected but I'm also going under because the dudes that you're relying on just aren't that good. Like you're relying on PJ, PJ Washington and Miles Bridges to be like your big wings. Gordon Haywood, you know, like we'll see. Like I, I, I'm pretty confident that he'll be like a 25 and five player. But um, you know, outside of that, then it's 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 Ball and Rosier. Um, and whilst they're both good players now, um, there's a lot of improvement elsewhere in the conference as we've you know discussed for most of this episode like there's going to be a lot of teams that are pushing up into that like low 40s to mid 40s like play in playoffs kind of like vibe. i think it's going to be a fat conference in the middle with like lots and lots of teams and someone has to someone has to miss out like, there's mm. going to be teams that are like mired in that like middle middle 30s um you know there probably won't be many teams that are like terrible terrible but there'll be teams that miss out on that like middle you know bell curve area and I think that these guys are a prime candidate for that mm. it's also a little bit why I gave them a negative off season rating because I mean you could probably do that the season before as well with getting Gordon Hayward You've, you're sort of locking yourself into just this middle ground because how do you get your next superstar if you're just going to win 30 let's say 42 to 34 games for the next couple of seasons like there's there's not much there's not much of an out here yeah yeah you're definitely um, all right, we'll move on to the Washington Wizards, whose numbers set at 34.5, and, and I've gone with the over. And I said this the episode after the Westbrook trade. I just really like their flexibility, and I really like their just potential to either make a move or just have a lot of tools just to fit around Russ. And I really like Spencer Dinwiddie. I know you're less high on Spencer Dinwiddie, and that's completely fair because neither of us have seen him play basketball for a year. And you do have questions about how people come back. And I'm putting a lot of stock in the fact that people have come back from ACL and major injuries and looked even better than they have in the past, which is like maybe that's my own fault there. Um, but I'm assuming Dean Witte is going to be good at basketball and Bradley Beal's obviously one of the best scorers in the league. And it's looking like if Bradley Beal does want a trade, it's looking like he's going to lock up that Supermax and then ask for a trade. Um, so let's say you've got a full entire year of Bradley Beal on the Washington Wizards you've got a year of a 30 point scorer on the team which is obviously going to help you win games um, and also the fact they've got Daniel Gafford I could put a full stop at the end of that but instead there's <laughs> Big <a comment>. Dan Dan <laughs> but you've got Big Dan Dan Big here. Dan Dan and certain things like that <laughs> you've got Thomas Bryan and Montrose Harrell they are three 
you know, starting to first big off the bench. Thomas Bryant, low key, two years ago was like the best offensive center in the league through twenty games. Like yeah. no, no, <laughs> no cap, as the kids say. Uh, and like you could trade either one of those three for positive value. And if a trade does happen and they try and upgrade elsewhere on the roster, and like maybe work on that Royal Neto spot, um, you, you've just got you know positive value elsewhere in the roster, and the roster just looks a little bit better. And thirty-four and a half is not many wins. Like, I think this team is definitely in the playing conversation and at a best-case scenario, the five or six seed. And, like, 34, not many not many games to win with the team with Bradley Beal and good players around him. Yeah, I mean, I think that that, like, that, that checks out, but the last two seasons, they've been around the same, like, around the same kind of stratosphere mm. of, like, low 30s. Um, I'm going under because I think Bradley Beal is getting traded. Okay. Yes, I think he's he's going to take the Supermax, but you get traded, your bird rights go with you. So if he gets traded to the Nuggets mid-season, the Nuggets can then offer him the Supermax when he's eligible. So the only reason why he would you know, delay a trade until he's after he's signed the Supermax would be that he's worried about getting injured. And if he gets hurt, then he's not going to get offered it. But you're not you're looking at it and saying like he's more likely to get injured elsewhere than he is in, in Washington. Mm-hmm. So... I'm going under purely off of the fact that this team without a full season of Bradley Beal is not... Obviously. Yeah. This is a yeah. lot of like... <clears throat> you got you got like an alpha, you got like a beta. What's like the C version of like a beta? Like, cuck? <laughs> got a lot of cucks on this team. Charlie, no, Charlie. Yeah, Charlie. There you go. You, you got, got the Charlie team. <laughs> you got a lot of Charlies on this team. Um... <laughs> You know, like Dinwiddie, I think is 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 comfortable to say that he's he's probably a beta if 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 he comes back in his own. And I mean that in a, I mean that in a complimentary way. Like he's he's yeah. a high level supporting player. He's not hanging out with Charlie. That's yeah, he's not hanging out with Charlie. No way. But everybody else is everybody else is a Charlie and is completely ecosystem dependent. Um, and the ecosystem is Bradley Beal. Like that's where the conversation starts and that's where the conversation ends. And if you don't have him for the whole season to like you know lift you up, then I think that there's not enough talent here to really do, you know, barring, you know, that Rui turning into like a 25-point-per-game scorer. Yeah. Um, I don't think that there's enough upside here for any of the guys no, to project. I, 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 I agree with you. I just think Bradley Beal's saying, because everything he said is, I want to be here, I want to be the guy on the one team. On the but one what team. if... Yeah, I, I, I guess. And then if it goes badly through 30 games. Yeah. yeah. And someone comes in and, and you know... Tommy Shepard comes to Bradley Beal and says, "Like, look, Brad. Like, I know where I know where nine and twenty-one. Denver's coming with this offer. We think it's fair. Just want to like ask you, like, if you want to go, because that's how the conversation would go. They wouldn't be like, yeah, we're hitting eject. They'd be like, if you wanted to go, like, we think this is fair value for you. Like, the choice is yours. Mm-hmm. And yes, he said everything. Yeah, 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 wants to stay, but like, if it's going poorly." And the offers there on the table, who knows what he does? It, it's a moot point if they start twenty-one and nine, because mm, mm. because it's a bunch of like decent role players with with you know, and he proves himself to be like a true superstar. Then it's a completely moot point, and I will be wrong. But I just think at some point he's gone. Is it weird that a smile came to my face when you said I will be wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I thought we had like a real supportive dynamic going on here, rather than like wanting to see each other yeah, fail. I think if you're if you're nine and twenty-one and in my world, Bradley Beal stays because he wants to be there. This team's going to be pushing for wins the whole entire season. And like, there's always those late pushes because as soon as you get to the second half of the season, you know, 
um, Cade Cunningham's not playing, Shea Gilgis Alexander's not playing, and all of a sudden those winnable games become just instant wins. Yeah. So like it's it, they're going to definitely make a push as long as Bradley Beal's on the roster, and I think he's going to be on the roster. Okay, that's fair. Well, if, let's if he gets traded, I'm definitely under. Uh, final team, you want to intro? Let's, we'll close it out with the Magic. So they're set. All at, our listeners just turned off. <laughs> <laughs> they're set at twenty two, uh, twenty two point five wins, which is not a lot, and. Even considering that, my pick for the Magic is with the first pick in the 2022 <laughs> NBA draft, the Orlando Magic select. Yeah. Because I think that this team is going to be the worst team in the league by a considerable margin. And I would be pretty fucking shocked if they were, you know, if they got to 20, let alone 20, 22.5, 23. Like, if this team hits, you know, hits hits the two at the start of the number, then they've done <laughs> they've done very well. Yeah, 20, 22 is a little bit optimistic. My first thing I've written here is this is probably the worst team in the league. So I completely agree with you. Um, I haven't been impressed with Jalen Suggs in the preseason so far, which is like, yes, it's preseason. Yes, he's only like a young dude and he's a rookie and he's supposed to be bad, but it's not it's not like oh Luka Doncic sixteen points a game in his rookie year. It's like yeah, nah, this is a rookie. Um, what do you get from Marco Fultz? Doesn't matter. Doesn't pull you up that much. Um, John Isaac isn't starting at the start of the season. Like he's not playing. He's that's still just injured. Probably because they want to like. He's, he's not starting. Or he's not playing. He's not playing. Well, I mean that's fucking terrifying. Because <laughs> he's still injured. Um, and like yeah, who's going to win out of Mo Bamba and Wendell Carter Jr.? Because if you win, you get a contract. But it's not like you need to be an all star. You just need to beat this other shit dude on your roster. Yeah, I just pulled up. I just pulled up the Orlando Magic Daily fan sided blog, uh, and the, the headline from four weeks ago is that Jonathan Isaac's return to the Magic will come in stages. <sighs> is it like stage one, not playing in the preseason, and then stage two, like playing from the first game? Because if it is, then I'm in. If it's not, then I'm out. It starts with T and rhymes with wank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, very eloquently described yeah this team is just like suffered. this is the worst team in the league from like a talent perspective there's just like a whole bunch of like not that good players and even the players who you're like high on a Fultz a Bumba like Cole Anthony Wendell Carter Jr like these are dudes who have pro- who've left you with more questions than answers through you know between mm-hmm. two and four years in the league yeah. I'm a big Fultz believer with my heart yeah, yeah, not necessarily with my head. I want him to do really well, and like when he was playing well last season, I was like reveling in it. Yeah. Um. But you know, he's <laughs> coming back from an ACL as well. How's it going to fit with Cole Anthony? Um. You know, Cole Anthony and Suggs alongside Fultz. Like, yeah, I I think there's a lot of a lot of room for questions here, and then the rest of them are just all young dudes who've proven nothing and given you no real indication <laughs> that. Um that they are like where they you, you, you know that you can just like pencil them in and say like, yeah this player is going to be like really really good so mm-hmm. I, I think like like hit the hit the under and like I said at the top I'd be really shocked if they if they got 20 wins um, Nate Duncan put it really well when he's doing his season previews with I'm just trying to pull it up with who he was with uh, he was with Keith Smith talking about the Orlando Magic and he goes you've got Wendell Carter Jr. and Mo Bamba and they're fighting to stay in the league and the best centre on the roster is Robin Lopez. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fucking hell. Yeah. Will no. we see a resurgence of the Robin Lopez hookshot? 
Uh, no, we'll don't, see him traded halfway through the season. Don't tune in <laughs> what, to what, find out. What did uh, the Nuggets trade for JaVale? Like a second round pick for the Cavs? This is this is exactly what you'll that see. Is, that is in the that's that's in the weeds. I, I don't know. Oh, I'm telling you. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Well, that's that's it for today's episode. That's it. That's everything from us for today. We'll be back with the Lefton slash Western Conference uh, next week. But before we go, I just wanted to drop a quick shout out for friend of the pod uh, and member of the Commonwealth Connection, Will Conkin. <laughs> Uh, over in Canada has started his own basketball podcast called the Download NBA Podcast um, <clears throat> alongside his co-host Don Yang and uh, early returns are very promising they've, they've, <laughs> they've found their niche pretty early so um, jump on, on Spotify or, or Apple Podcasts and um, give those guys a listen and a, uh, and a subscribe I know that it would be much appreciated and it's quite a good listen Dante, I'll speak to you next week Thanks Sean